the 2001 New England Patriots, the team that started an NFL dynasty. In a season full of dramatic twists and turns on and off the field, the upstart Pats shocked the world, redefining what it meant to be a team and a Patriot. 20 years and six Super Bowl championships later, we're revisiting that historic season, hearing from different perspectives that were there to witness it firsthand and tell the tale. From players to coaches, local and national media, and even some fans, mixed with some of the most iconic sounds that define the season, it will be a unique six-part journey back as we follow the roots of the Patriots dynasty to the one championship that started it all. We are all Patriots, and tonight the Patriots are world champions. I'm Mike Dussault, and this is 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey. Episode 5, Ignore the Noise. We're the final score in overtime. The New England Patriots 16 and the Oakland Raiders 13. That is it from snowbound winter wonderland Foxborough. This is Gil Santos reminding you next Sunday, the Patriots go for the AFC Championship, either in Pittsburgh against the Steelers or here against the Baltimore Ravens. After narrowly defeating the Oakland Raiders in the divisional round, the Patriots were set to head to Pittsburgh for an unlikely AFC Championship game. The Steelers had been the AFC's first dynasty, winning three of five Super Bowls in the mid-70s. Terry Bradshaw has had his greatest three games in a row when he had to have him in the playoffs. Chuck Noll being carried off. They were about the worst team in pro football when he took over. I would say their best years are ahead of them. The 1976 Patriots handed the two-time defending champs a home loss in week three, the first memorable upset by New England in Pittsburgh. All right, we're down to the finale, maybe. Three seconds left. Girona to try a 48-yard field goal for Pittsburgh. He sets, the kick is up, and it is no good! It is no good! The Patriots beat the Steelers 30-27! In the 90s, the teams would meet twice in the playoffs, with the Patriots holding serve at home 28-3 en route to Super Bowl 31. Curtis Martin, the little fake, oh, what a cut at the 22, and he's gone! Three touchdowns, 166 yards for Martin. These were not the Steelers that Bill Cowher has grown to love. These were the Patriots that Bill Parcells was seen on occasion. The following year, the first under head coach Pete Carroll, the Patriots would fall in Pittsburgh in the divisional round. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't impressive, but it was a win for Bill Cowher and company. 7-6. to six. A 7-6 seven, trudge and a game that was ended by a soon-to-be familiar face. Bledsoe got sacked from behind as he was bringing his arm forward. The ball came loose, the official rules it a fumble and not a pass attempt. Pittsburgh recovers at the Patriot 34 with 144, and Gino, that looked like a game-winning drive. It looked like they had uh, something going, but a persistent rush from the backside that time, whereas Drew was throwing the ball a little sooner on the previous plays, and just an outstanding play that time by Mike Vrabel, the rookie who came from the backside. The Steelers missed the playoffs for three seasons before putting it all together and winning 13 games in 2001 under head coach Bill Cowher. Restoring the glory days of the Steel Curtain with one of the league's best defenses, they had allowed the third fewest points in the league. The offense featured quarterback Cordell Stewart, who posted the most rushing yards of his career, though still battling inconsistencies as a thrower. Stewart running. Stewart's got room. Cordell Stewart, it's a sprint out. 
Stewart crossing the 25 and then bang down hard at the 21. Pro Bowl 1,000-yard running back Jerome Bettis. Bettis gets the call again. Bettis breaks a tackle. Bettis has the first down. And two 1,000-yard receivers in Heinz Ward. Cordell Stewart to Heinz Ward. And in the big ketchup bottle, Heinz Ward takes his 29 varieties. And Plaxico Burris. Cordell throw. Open man is Burris. Plaxico Burris trying to bounce off some tacklers. Together, they put up the third most yards in the league. Get down to the playoff games and they say, who runs it the best? Who defends it the best? The Steelers owned that number one category during the regular season. And today, 156 yards rushing. The Steelers entered the game 9-1 at home having just avenged their only home loss of the season by sending the Ravens home in the divisional round. Division rivals, Super Bowl champs, you know, the whole nine yards. You know, they've been talking all week. So we just kind of took that and uh, ran with it. I mean, we realized that, hey, the road to the Super Bowl comes to the bird. And they came in here and got their bus kicked. You know what I'm saying? Now we got to take care of them, New England Patriots. Pittsburgh was 10-point favorites over the snow-surviving Patriots. The Patriots, the Steelers, the AFC Championship game. Scott Pioli, Patriots Director of Player Personnel. Bill knew that team very well, right? Um, and again, you mentioned confidence. There was a confidence about our football team. And it wasn't an unrealistic confidence. And certainly Bill kept the team constantly grounded well enough that it wasn't this kind of confidence that was, you know, that was not believable that... The players just felt prepared. Run it again. Huddle up and run it again, oh, Brady. Shut up, Redmond. Your is going to be running next. And and I think that was a, a big part of it. A, a lot of the confidence that our football team had, not only that year, but in, in the next, you know, however many years, is that they always felt prepared. And in that game in particular, I feel like our team on both sides of the ball, felt very prepared. Belichick had become more familiar with the Steelers during his five years in Cleveland as the Browns' head coach, a place where much of the foundation for the Patriots' future success was set. Michael Lombardi, Oakland Raiders' senior personnel executive. Well, I mean, I think a lot of what, you know, Cleveland was the, the, the basically the, the, the learning ground. I mean, Cleveland was the trial and error, and so... I think a lot of things that Bill knew worked in Cleveland was going to work in New England. He made sure that's what he emphasized. And, you know, from the grading system to the to the, the development of culture to the ability to build a team, you know, I think all that, you know, all that. What I'm going to demand from the players and from the people in the organization is that they make the commitment towards a championship. That's what our goal is. That's all I really am about is trying to win football games. I mean, what people forget is Bill had success in Cleveland. Took over a team that gave up over over 400 points in one year and, you know, before the move, gave up 200 a record 204 points in 94 and won a playoff game. There's a there's a there's a disconnect that Things were bad in Cleveland. Things were good in Cleveland until he moved the team. Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland Plain Dealer. Well, he really did start to build an incredible football team uh, here in Cleveland. And I think it kind of went, it, it went unappreciated in a lot of ways because of what happened between Bill Belichick and Bernie Kosar. And it, I think it prevented people from really seeing uh, the value of the football team that he was assembling and just the quality of play, the quality of the staff. That's one of the things that really stands out to me is that he surrounded himself with really incredible people. They were there for the love of the game. Uh, they would do it for almost nothing if they had to. 
And uh, he really did a phenomenal job of, of assembling a staff that went on to do great things. With many of the same faces as he had in Cleveland, including Scott Pioli, Belichick was delivering early returns in New England as the team prepared for the third conference championship game in franchise history. The battle for AFC supremacy so hotly contested these last two weeks will be decided here today. Captains Tom Brady and Lawyer Malloy traveled early to Pittsburgh for media availabilities. And it was already clear no one, especially in Pittsburgh of all places, was giving the Patriots any chance. Lawyer Malloy, safety. Nobody gave us a, a shot in hell to, to, to beat the Steelers in Heinz Field. Like, that just wasn't going to happen. And it was evident <clears throat> as soon as we flew over Pittsburgh, like, you know, it was, it was all yellow and gold. Um, uh, when we <clears throat> you know, went out, to, I think we went out went out to breakfast. Me and Tom had a lot of time to talk, and it was just all the Steeler, you know, shit um, uh, being, you know, being worn. And, you know, people were talking about the game. And, you know, yeah, you know, this, this, this new kid, Brady, you know, uh, you know, he's good, but, you know, he has no chance against our defense, uh, you know, and he's sitting right there, you know, and I'm just, you know, we're just soaking it in. Me and, I remember me and Brady just, like, soaking in the atmosphere or whatever, and and um, I was like, man, see, this, this is what it's all about, bro. It continued as the full team arrived for the game. Damian Woody, offensive lineman. I remember when we got to Pittsburgh, when we got to the, to the team hotel, it seemed like the whole city of Pittsburgh was in our hotel. Everyone was waving the terrible towel. We got there. We couldn't even maneuver to get into the hotel because it, it was like the, every every fan of the Steelers was there waving their terrible towels like they were trying to intimidate us. And so I'm just thinking like, okay, it's on. Like, it is, it, like, it is on. Antoine Smith, running back. It was the disrespect, man. It was a disrespect. People don't know this, but when we got off the when we got off the bus to go play Pittsburgh, they had already had their suitcases packed and everything to go to New Orleans. You know, Belichick, Coach Belichick. You know, he he don't miss nothing, and you know he about you, you see these. I'm not gonna say the cuss word. You know, don't give a chance. They already packed going to New Orleans like they didn't won the game. You know, I think that just. The ultimate respect just, you know, that kind of lit a fire up on us. Tom E. Curran, NBC Sports, Boston. I truly felt that they would deal with the Steelers. I, I felt that they would win that game. And it's ironic because Lenny Megliola, who was a columnist for the Middlesex News, Metro West Daily News, he was smart. He was a parent caller before anybody else. He called Steve and Jeanette Belichick down in Annapolis and talked to them before the game. And they told him that Bill said to pack their bags for New Orleans. So... I really felt that they would beat the Steelers. Paul Perillo, Patriots Football Weekly. You know, a lot of people would, would like to take away my, my Patriots.com status because I don't deserve it. But despite all of those wins, I still didn't think they were going to win in Pittsburgh. I felt like, you know, this has been a great story, but the ride's going to come to an end. And I had said to Brian Morey, uh, the curator of the Patriots Hall of Fame, and Fred, um, if, if they win this game, I'm going to go on the bus. I'm going to go on the team bus, and I'm going to sing I'm a Believer um, after the game. And I just I just don't see it. I just don't have any confidence. Mary Kay Cabot. The Steelers had a great defense. They always have a really good defense. It just seems like no matter what, they know how to stock and build that defense. And I think when you looked at it, the Steelers having gone 13-3 and three and having that great defense, it just almost seemed like, uh, you know, that this was a no-brainer, that the Steelers were going to advance to the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, and just 
add another Lombardi trophy to their uh, lobby. I, I remember thinking going into that game that the Steelers were probably going to win that one hands down, just being so familiar with the Steelers and what they were able to accomplish. But obviously it just wasn't their day. For one Patriot, it was a homecoming of sorts, as Mike Vrabel had spent the first four seasons of his career with the Steelers and likely would have returned to the team in free agency had the Patriots not offered a chance for Vrabel to play a bigger role on defense. Back to throw is DeLome. Here's the last he sacked. Back inside the 15-yard line. Blasting up the middle was Mike Vrabel, who had nine and a half regular season sacks. McNabb back to throw. The rush going to be hit, going to be sacked. Back at the 25-yard line. Wow. Patriots came with a vengeance that time. He had Vrabel, McGinnis, and Colvin all in on the sack. Looks, throws to the oh. line. It's intercepted by Mike Vrabel at the 20, at the 15, and down at the 10-yard line. Vrabel would go on to become one of the core members of the Patriots dynasty, embodying the team's defensive approach with smarts, versatility, and toughness. Mike Vrabel, linebacker. I mean, I think that I had gotten to that point probably in Pittsburgh, you know, year three and a half, four. You know, and, and so I was playing. I, you know, Pittsburgh, they were playing me. You know what I mean? They, I was playing a, a series each half on, on both sides. For, you know, I played behind Joey Porter and Jason Gildas. You know, Joey came in and figured it out quicker than I did. And so, you know, there's a lot of players that you know, we developed. And, and, and I developed and changed positions and played behind really good players. And so you know, I still, I guess, had confidence to, to go to New England and um, and be ready to, to try to take advantage for whatever they ask me to do. In its inaugural season, Heinz Field is extended to the limit. Its inhabitants have waved the terrible towels in triumph and have basked in the glow of a glorious Steeler run. And now the intruders from New England present the final hurdle. Mike Reese, ESPN. To go to a game in Pittsburgh, for people that don't know, like that might be the greatest environment in the NFL. With respect to Lambeau Field, we're going to probably have that conversation. Arrowhead Stadium probably in that conversation. Here we're coming, baby! I'm happy to report that despite all the prognostications of doom, the Patriots have shown up here today and will take the field against the Steelers. Both teams would struggle to move the ball early on, with five straight punts starting the game and neither team getting past midfield. After a sixth punt was called back for a Steelers penalty, Troy Brown would make one of the plays that would define his career. Troy Brown, wide receiver. Pittsburgh, they were punting from their left hash originally. And what happened was they had their gunner who ran out of bounds. Number 81 went out of bounds. So they dropped the flag on him. But a referee, he spotted the ball on their right hash. And therefore, he had to try to kick the ball out of bounds to his left Again. All right, Josh Miller set to kick it away. Back at the 45 is Troy Brown. Miller punting right to left. Handles the snap and gets the kick away. This one is returnable. Coming right to Troy Brown at the 45. He heads left to the 50. Straight up the middle of the 45. To the 40. To the 35. To the 30. 25. 15. 10. 5. He's in. Touchdown. Touchdown. Touchdown, Troy Brown. You could just see it coming all the way up the middle where he always goes. Any play I made against Pittsburgh was my greatest. The AFC Championship game was, 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 was great. Picking the field goal up and lateraling it backwards. Returning the punt for a touchdown. Ty Law, Ty Law had one guy pent up two somewhere in there, so yeah, they, they did a good job. Troy Brown from the 45. To the 40. To the 30. Brown to the 15. To the 5. Touchdown! Mike Reese. I think about Troy Brown. Like, special teams and how 
like everyone's the Steelers gonna win the game, right? Like that's what all, all, all the experts are saying. And really, like when you think about what Bill Belichick believes in three phases, like they just absolutely dominated the third phase of the game that no one talks about. And that's why I think of Troy Brown, because why is why was he even, you know, I, I shouldn't say why was he on the team, because he was a very productive offensive player at that point. But prior to that, what was he known for, like early in his career? Special teams, right? Like, so that's why he was there. And the ultimate underdog guy in Troy, and the Patriots were the ultimate underdog in that situation. The Patriots think they have a decided advantage in special teams, especially with their punt return team. The Steelers would quickly respond. On the ensuing drive, Stewart would break free for a 34-yard run, but Pittsburgh would be forced to settle for a field goal as the Patriots' red zone defense stiffened. Well, the Patriots defensively really doing a bang-up job. Had it not been for that scamper of a run by Cordell Stewart, they wouldn't be in this position. But then again, I think they're confusing this kid because he looks a little bit bewildered back there. Pats and Steelers then traded four punts as it looked like a repeat of the last low-scoring playoff game between these two teams was bearing out again. Until once again, the 2001 Patriots season took a dramatic twist, one that would become another touchstone moment of a magical season. Three receivers to the near side left for the Patriots. Brady out of a shotgun. J.R. Redmond to his right in the backfield. And it's third down and eight. Direct snap to Brady. Stands in the pocket, stands in the pocket, pulls the trigger complete. Troy Brown at the 45, at the 50, at the 45 of Pittsburgh. Down to the Steeler, 40 goes Troy Brown. And a first down bullet delivered by Tom Brady, and he's injured. He's down. The Patriot quarterback is down back at the 25-yard line and limping. Drew Bledsoe will come in for the first time since the final minutes of the New York Jet game back in the second week of the season. Damian Woody. And when Tom went down with that that lower leg injury, there was not a doubt in my mind that Drew was going to come in and was going to do what he had to do to help us win the football game. Tom Brady, the man who has captured the imagination of New England sports fans, 12 of 18 for 108 yards passing here in the first half of this one, has a, looks like, left knee injury. He's gone to the sidelines to sit on the bench, and Drew Bledsoe will check into the ball game at quarterback. Well, if you have to go to your backup quarterback in a championship playoff game, Gino, it's not bad to have a backup quarterback as good as Drew Bledsoe. Jermaine Wiggins, tight end. I mean, let's be honest. The guy, you know, he had just signed a contract, I want to say, like for like $100 million, something like that back at the uh, time. And, you know, he was the face of the franchise for the Patriots. I mean, the guy had been to a Super Bowl. I remember that in 96, I was in college. And like I said, I was a fan. So, I mean, Bledsoe was the, the 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 face of the franchise. And, you know, and then he gets hurt and he ultimately loses his job to injury. And, you know, now he becomes the backup and gets the opportunity to go in there and help us, you know, get to a Super Bowl. Drew Bledsoe, I got to believe, has kept himself ready if they ever needed him for the remainder of the season. And he's in there now. And they need him now. Paul Perillo. I think I've already explained how Drew was was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed um, covering him. That's really why I became a season ticket holder long before I ever started working here was the day they signed Drew Bledsoe, that they drafted Drew Bledsoe one overall back in 93. So he goes back in the game, and now all I'm thinking is, oh, God. Now, like, this th- this run, which I, which I thought was inevitably going to come to an end that day. Anyway, now they're going to get to blame Drew. Like, if Tom didn't get hurt, 
everything would have been great and now it's all going to be drew's fault and i was a bundle of nerves and i know you're not supposed to be when you're covering the game you're supposed to be impartial and all that crap well yeah throw that all out the window i was just i i i wanted to puke is what i it was, it was probably the best way to describe it and he comes out four plays touchdown it was like pass pass run gets lit up on the sideline touchdown pass and all of the passes were darts. I mean, he came in on fire. Back to throw, looking, fires to the right. It is caught down to the Pittsburgh 25-yard line and a 15-yard strike by Drew what a to way. Troy Brown. What a way to start with your very first play. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. Jermaine Wiggins. He had a play where where he scrambled. It was on the right sideline. It was like, I think it was like uh, our sideline. And he runs, and I'm like, you know, I ran a route, and then all of a sudden the play breaks down, and you see him scrambling. And he's running on the sideline, and it's almost like the same spot where in the Jets game, same position, same hit. I forget who hit him. I, I can't remember who. If it was James Ferrier. Somebody hit him out of bounds, and it was like, you know, everybody looked, you know, like, uh-oh, and then he bounced right up as soon as he got. I mean, he got drilled too. He got drilled, and he but he bounces right up and runs back on the field. And I think the emotions of like, you know what, I'm back. I'm good. You know, that's not going to phase me. Direct snap to Drew. Looking, looking. Starts to run to the right. He's going to keep it and go. He is down to the 20 yard line and gets shoved out of bounds. That's got to be a late hit. God has got to be a late hit. Yes. Flag goes down. Two, three, four flags went down. Defenders came up and shoved Bledsoe out of bounds on the far side of the field with no reason to do it. And Pittsburgh will be penalized right here and right now. You know, I even, or we could have thought that Bledsoe might have tried to go upfield a little more, but he made it uh, intentional to everybody that he was taking this ball out of bounds. And even the uh, defenders, the Steelers, could see that what he was doing, and there was no need for that hit, then they should be penalized. Bledsoe would finish off the drive that Brady started, finding David Patton in the back of the end zone, giving New England a 14-3 lead just before the half. Bledsoe throwing, corner of the end zone, touchdown! (laughs) Celebrations in the Patriots executive box celebrations around Drew Bledsoe on the field. David Patton, wide receiver. i never forget running that route. I think it was a, a, a corner route. And I was, the in, I was the inside slot guy to the right side. And coming out of the break, and I, I remember coming around, and I saw him, I saw the ball actually leave his hand. I was like, oh, I'm getting ready to score this touchdown. And Drew, Drew just had, he, he had, he had a touch on the ball. I think I think between the two two of those guys, I would say Tom had the stronger arm, but Drew just had a he had a knack for patting the ball and, and like just flicking it out there. So you know, it's the old adage: it doesn't matter who's in the game, it doesn't matter what the situation is. You have a, uh, uh, you have one responsibility: that's to do your job. Get open and catch the ball, and that's what we did. What a story this is. Drew Bledsoe comes in for the injured Tom Brady and takes over at the Pittsburgh 40-yard line. He completes three passes, three for three for 36 yards, and throws a 10-yard touchdown pass to David Patton. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Patriots fan and personality. And I'm so glad, as a long-suffering Pats fan, 
and as someone who loved Drew Bledsoe and knows what it meant to him to be part of that team and to get his shot and to throw that touchdown pass to David Patton and that he helped get that W was so rewarding. He's a, such a significant part of that season. Uh, the you know, emotional support and the coaching he provided for Brady, being a good trooper when, when Belichick pulled the plug on him being the starter again, and to throw that pass and get the win. Damian Woody. That was sweet because Drew being in that position where he had to watch, you know, during the time that he was injured and, you know, ultimately losing his job because of injury, I mean, that had to – Drew's a prideful man. That had to have been eating him up. And to, in that moment, to help us get to the Super Bowl – I couldn't have been a better feeling for Drew Bledsoe. And the Patriots have a 14-3 lead. And needless to say, the crowd here in Pittsburgh is stunned at the Patriots and the performance that they're putting on here so far in the first half. After a roller coaster ending to the first half and the Patriots up 14-3, the defenses continue to carry the day as the third quarter started. The Patriots were unable to score after recovering a fumble by Stewart in Steeler territory on their first possession. First and 10 Pittsburgh, Stewart calling signal, drops the ball! It's on the ground at the 35-yard line. And the Patriots have it! Cordell Stewart fumble the snap. The Patriots have it at the Pittsburgh 35-yard line. And with Dead Sea, a Tabucky Jones interception called back due to an offsides penalty. Stewart calling signals, drops back to throw. Stands in the pocket, fires a bullet, it is tipped and intercepted! Picked up by Tabucky Jones at the 25, heading right to the 30. Tabucky wide to the outside of the 32-yard line, and the Patriots take over on the pass interception by Tabucky Jones. Penalty marker, I think the Patriots were offside. Offside, New England, number 98, in the neutral zone at the snap. That's a five-yard penalty, the interception is overturned. Repeat first down. The Steelers would produce a drive into Patriots territory, but they would be stifled on third down again and forced to settle for another field goal attempt. And for the second time in the game, special teams would come through like they had all season long. 34-yard field goal attempt for Chris Brown. Far hash mark, angle to his left. Miller to hold, the snap the ball down. The kick is blocked! The kick was blocked! It's going to be picked up by Troy Brown. He's across the 50. He laterals it off. Heading down the left sideline, Antoine Harris. And he goes all the way for a touchdown. Antoine Harris on the lateral from Troy Brown after the blocked field goal. And the Patriots block the field goal and get the touchdown. And the crowd in Pittsburgh is stunned. Whoa, what a play. The blocked field goal. Troy Brown. The block kick in Pittsburgh was huge. You know, then doing what we practiced, you know, for, for years, it was just scooping and scoring with the big guys on the field that can't catch you. You know, scooping and scoring. I was scooped it up and I couldn't score, so I allowed it back to uh, Antoine Harris right there. You know, so, and he took it in for the score. So it just plays like that. So there's a lot of team team coordination in that, in that particular play. Matt Chatham, linebacker and special teamer. That was such an incredibly uh, talented and uh, dominant by the by the end of that season defense that we were playing with, uh, and, and as well as the special teams group. I mean, we can't overlook that part. I mean, we 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 sort of procured multiple scores in that Steelers game, and that was a big part of why we advanced as well. And uh, what ended up being a really tight tight contest. Uh, you look at the you look at the Steelers group, you know, and they they could have been a dynasty themselves. And that was the the high flying team of that AFC group. And if they slide past us, who knows what they do and who knows what their arc is after the season. Antoine Smith we threw the ball like first eighteen times of the game, kind of changed pace on them. And our defense was playing exceptional, and I think they kind of threw them off. And 
you know, we went on to win that game. Special teams did a good job. Everybody played a pivotal role in that game. Nick Fitzy Stevens. I mean, the Steelers are the class of the league. They have no business winning this game. And to think that they could go in there and pull off that upset, and it was just a, like the, the, all the hallmarks of this team, like great defense, just enough offense, incredible special teams. One of the things that I love about the Patriots that, you know, the coach preaches and the owner preaches and all the other coaches and the players talk about is like, you want to make the Pats, you want to make an impact on this team, play special teams. Like, not like it's like chicks dig the long ball, man. Like, yeah, but you know who gets it? You know who, who gets it done at the end of the night? Special teams. That's what gets it done. Chris Berman, ESPN. You could see it then looking back. There were a couple of regular season games in which special teams played a huge role. And then, of course, the championship game with Pittsburgh with two special team scores, right? So uh, the, the block, the block punt that Troy Brown picked up and he shoveled it to Antoine Harris. And Troy had a punt return earlier. Troy was really invaluable. He was their MVP, right? He caught 100 balls. His role on special teams, he could even throw the ball. But Pittsburgh would not go away as the Steelers would score touchdowns on their next two drives quickly closing a 21-3 gap to a four-point game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers drive down the field and get a big touchdown here in this third quarter with 5-11 to play on the one-yard run by Jerome Bettis. Cordell, the handoff to Zeroway to the right. He plows it in for a touchdown. Oh, boy. Boy, he picked his way uh, nicely. Amos Zeroway, 10 yards out with 1.29 to go, and now it is really tight. Needing to respond with a score of their own, Bledsoe and the offense delivered with an 11-play, 45-yard drive that took the game into the fourth quarter. Snap is there. The ball is down. The kick is up. It is on the way, and it is good. That's 11 in a row now for Adam Vinatieri. He hits a 44-yard field goal. Timeout on the field with 11-12 to play in the score. The Patriots 24, Pittsburgh 17. Down by only a touchdown. The Steelers' offense was held to just 32 total yards in their final three possessions with a punt and two interceptions. Direct snap to Stewart, got lots of time, steps up, fires down the field, and it's batted and intercepted! Intercepted by Tabucky Jones at the 50, at the 45, the 40, to the 35, to the Pittsburgh 34. Tabucky Jones with a pass interception. The fourth Pittsburgh turnover of the game. Second down and 10, Pittsburgh at their own 40. Again, out of a shotgun, Stewart takes the direct snap. Stands up in the pocket, looks, fires down the field. Could be picked, it is. It's intercepted. Picked off by the Patriots. Falling to the ground at the 50-yard line is Lawyer Malloy. As the Patriots' defense stepped up and closed out the team's first AFC Championship victory since the 1996 season. Drew touches the knee down. The clock ticks inside a minute. And Bill Belichick's New England Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? All right, look out, Bourbon Street. Here come the New England Patriot fans. Mike Vrabel. I think the game ended. We were on defense. They were in two minutes. Kind of Cordell was kind of scrambling out, and we forced him out of the pocket, and I was kind of chasing him over to the sidelines towards the end of the game, and he kind of threw it out of bounds or something, and I was near that sideline, and, you know, kind of saw some smirks on the faces and you know I mean just you know I think it was pretty cool and I never played it you know that was the first year back at Heinz Field didn't play in Heinz Field you know and so 
that that was pretty unique to go back to Pittsburgh and to be able to, to win the AFC Championship game in a place that I had played in for four years. Drew touches the knee down, and the final yeah. seconds tick away. Patriots players coming onto the field, and we're heading to New Orleans as the American Football Conference champions for the second time in the last six years. Joe Andruzzi, offensive lineman. You know, knowing that we were a bunch of nobodies that went out there and uh, proved people wrong, and you know, without Drew, you know, we wouldn't have won either. And Drew stood there. He didn't stab anybody in the back. He turned around. I'm sure he wasn't happy, as many people. When you get injured, you don't want to be sitting watching on the sidelines. So Drew sat there and became another coach for Tom. And then all of a sudden, he's called into action against the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. And he went in there and just slung it around and gave us a chance and opportunity to, uh, you know, win that game and get to the Super Bowl, which, you know, we love to this day. <laughs> Pepper Johnson, linebackers coach. We had a lot of tough battles. We went through uh, a lot of adversity. Um, it was in our star quarterback, our starting quarterback. You know, coming back, the backup quarterback gets hurt in the AFC Championship game. Our scheme was so tough. Our skin was so tough at that given time that we never lost focus. Tom E. Curran. After that, quite honestly, I'm not going to romanticize it the way so many people have over the years, but the Patriots survived Drew Bledsoe in the AFC Championship. He hit Joey Porter between the fives. He threw a backwards over the head, falling down pass that also could have been picked and would have been if people actually expected the ball to come popping out. You've got every bit of evidence as to why Drew Bledsoe was valuable, tough, could make some throws and why he was never gonna get his job back. Some ridiculously bad decisions. But it was um, a great team win, as you pointed out. Mike Reese. I remember Drew's eyes afterwards, like almost like watering, you know, the emotion because of everything that had happened. And I'm looking at Drew on the sidelines. He's got tears in his eyes. Yeah. He's got tears in his and, eyes. Uh, and I think that's one thing I'd say about Drew. Like, he's got heart. He's sincere. He's real, right? That's what I remember most when I think about Drew and that game. Paul Perillo, our photographer, David Silverman, got a great shot of Drew and Tom with the trophy. Um, and I just thought that really encapsulated, because I know it, it, it wasn't easy for Drew Bledsoe to, to sit back and watch this guy. And Drew's not a dumb guy. He knows what was happening. He knows he didn't just lose his job for 2001. He, he, he's going to lose. I, he, he had a good idea. He lost his job forever. Uh, and that was probably my highlight, even even more so than the Super Bowl itself. That was my highlight, was having Drew come in and him and Tom get to enjoy that. And Teddy Bruschi crying, hugging Drew. That's the kind of stuff. I, I just thought that was a, a great Hollywood ending to the Bledsoe era in New England, that he got a chance to make that one last contribution. He didn't play great in the game. He started off great, and he was kind of up and down in the second half. But again, he avoided the mistakes that cost you games, and they were able to win with special teams and everything else. The AFC champion New England Patriots 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers 17. That is it from Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is Gil Santos reminding you next Sunday afternoon, we'll be in New Orleans to do the Super Bowl. Next time on 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey. The Patriots make history, winning their first championship by pulling off the upset of the new millennium. Can't get enough Patriots 2001 content? 
Relive the historic year by following the Patriots' time machine. A social media account 20 years after its time, following the Patriots' 2001 season as if it were happening live. See daily transactions, watch game highlights, and go back in time to the start of the Patriots' Super Bowl dynasty. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Pat's Time Machine.